Hello, and welcome to another episode. Sorry it's been a couple weeks since I've uploaded, but I'm really busy with school and coaching track, and I just recently got engaged and a lot of other things. I do a lot of reading and a lot of writing for every podcast. They are fully researched and scripted, and it's just been hard to do that. But I have been working on a book. So for this episode, I want to read from you a few excerpts from my book that I've written. The title of the book right now is Rational Answers to Stupid Questions, A Science Advocate's Responses to Nonsense. What I have essentially done is I've taken all of the common things that people have told me during my TikTok debates or whatever and written out responses to them. Part one of the book is about evolution, so I'm going to read to you my responses to a few of the irrational claims and questions about evolution. As always, you can support me on TikTok, Instagram, I'm on YouTube as well, I have tons of videos on there, check those out. You can also find links to Patreon and Venmo. If humans come from apes, why are there still apes? There are many reasons why this question is terrible, but ironically, there is a way in which it is a good question for reasons that the kind of person who asks would be totally oblivious to. Problem number one, we are apes. Even if there were no apes, we still are apes. So the idea of them being unable to exist is dead on arrival. I've had hilarious debates with people who tell me humans are not apes or animals. But these same people never disagree that we are mammals. A mammal is a type of animal. I don't know what people even mean when they ask this question, and I don't think they do either. Whenever I reply with, why wouldn't there still be apes? I only get a repeat of the question. This question comes in different versions, such as if humans come from monkeys and if humans come from chimps. If we come from chimpanzees, then you might expect there to not be chimpanzees, although we will see how that's not always the case, so that is a fair point. But nobody who knows anything about evolution proposes that we come from chimpanzees. We are related to chimpanzees. Ask yourself, are you related to your cousin? Yes? So did you come from your cousin? Of course not. You and your cousin come from your grandparents. Chimpanzees and us are the direct descendants of some other primate that went extinct long ago. But even if we were the descendants of chimpanzees, why would that mean they can't exist? Dogs are the direct descendants of wolves. Once two populations are separated and no longer exchange genetic information, they diverge, eventually becoming different species. One does not need to go extinct. The illustration, The March of Progress by Rudolf Zallinger, causes much confusion. It's that famous depiction of the knuckle walker, and then it turns into like an Australopithecus, and then a caveman, and then a modern human. The linear progression of the very chimp-like earliest hominid up through Neanderthal, Cro-Magnon, and then us in that illustration implies that evolution works like Pokemon. It implies that it is the destiny of knuckle-walking primates to become humans. That's not how it works. In reality, the most primitive primate in the illustration is related to many different hominids who coexisted. Homo erectus, the Neanderthals, the Denisovans, us, and probably several other species of humans all lived simultaneously. Rather than us being direct descendants of Neanderthals, we are all, or were, the descendants of that knuckle walker that produced 
multiple different lineages. Now, here's how the question is almost reasonable. It implies that if humans evolved, then what we evolved from shouldn't exist. Well, guess what? It doesn't. The famous Lucy specimen, scientific name Australopithecus afarensis, went extinct long before we showed up, and we came from Lucy. Now, this isn't perfect, because we are quite certain Homo sapiens did evolve directly from Homo erectus, and we are also confident that we coexisted. But again, that is possible because of how evolution actually works. Two populations become separated, and then if one remains in the same area, it will have the same selective pressures, but the other will not. So the population that migrates can speciate, and the other one can remain the same. If evolution is true, why aren't other animals turning into humans? Once again, this question has so many problems. The question assumes an element of orthogenesis. Orthogenesis is the idea that organisms evolve because of a mysterious force. Orthogenesis begins with the assumption that human beings are the pinnacle, the apotheosis of evolution. This is a teleological argument for evolution. Once again, the person asking the question is practically guaranteed to have no idea this is the question's implication. The idea that evolution is supposed to end up creating upright walking primates who build SR-71 blackbirds and twerk, among other things, is nothing but an insane species-centric bias created by those very same twerking primates. Evolution does not work in a linear or predetermined way. The future has not happened yet, and there's no force that is aware of what will happen and manipulates the present to achieve the predetermined future state. Humans and other animals have evolved in different environments. The selective pressures in two areas, not even that far apart, can still produce dramatically different characteristics. At present, humans have conquered the Earth, but we were relegated to a much smaller range for the vast majority of our species' existence. Humans evolved in Africa because that was the only place humans could have evolved. But we evolved in a specific region of Africa, Meanwhile, our close relatives evolved into something similar, but very different, in other areas near us. This question also implies that there's such a thing as the best way to exist. That argument immediately falls apart when you look literally anywhere. In any environment, you will find multitudes of different living things. There are many different ways to survive and be successful in nature. None of them is objectively better than any of the others. And if there are many ways to survive and be successful species, then there's no reason anything would have to turn into a human. Why aren't other animals intelligent, like humans? Why don't other animals invent alcoholic drinks, then invent vehicles, then drink one of the inventions while trying to drive the other, and die? If they were so smart, they would do that. Why aren't they embroiled in pointless wars over fictional stories or resources, of which there's more than enough to go around? Why don't they dramatically overshoot their natural carrying capacity by doing agriculture and then die by the thousands when the weather doesn't cooperate? Why don't they commit genocide? Why don't they invent democracy and then routinely put pathological liars, convicted felons, domestic abusers, and fraudsters in charge of their governments? I'm only being a little bit facetious. Humans appear to be the most intelligent species on Earth, but we also do inexplicably stupid things. I've used this counter-argument against people who bring this up, 
and they usually say no other animal is smart enough to do any of that. I don't understand how the capacity to cause your own destruction can be a symptom of intelligence, but they seem to think it is. I have asked people, so if human beings completely annihilate our own species with nuclear weapons, that would have been an intelligent action? The answer I got was, yes. I remember reading The Descent of Man by Charles Darwin years ago. He tells the story of how gorillas in zoos would happily drink alcohol and even smoke cigars, but if one got sick from the stuff, they would never touch it again. Darwin noted this made them far smarter than many humans who will suffer this fate repeatedly, seeming not to learn their lesson. But maybe smart isn't the right word. Perhaps rational is the best word. If the root of this is rationality, then we can't say no other species is rational. Many of them appear to be more rational than us much of the time, but they can't form social networks and use language as we can. So perhaps we are only the most capable of creating error-correcting networks within our groups that save us from ourselves and our shortcomings. In his book, The Third Chimpanzee, Jared Diamond argues convincingly that objective observers would not think humans are as remarkable as we think we are. If we looked at the human race in its infancy, say 300,000 years ago, what would we expect from them? Stupid question, because we are their offspring, we know what to expect. So let's imagine we are aliens visiting Earth 300,000 years ago. Humans 300,000 years ago to an alien species would appear to be just another chimpanzee. They probably used tools and had a kind of language, but still, they would be so primitive in appearance and abilities that if aliens built a zoo, no alien environmental protester would say keeping humans in cages was especially cruel versus any other creature. We currently do this to our closest kin, despite them being very close to our intellectual equals in the past. The reality is, our species had to invent, from nothing, all of the knowledge and tools we possess. It has been a remarkable feat, but I think many of us credit the entire human race for the achievements of a select few. Ask yourself, what technological stage would humans be in if the one million most intelligent people who ever lived never existed? An estimated 100 billion humans have ever lived, so this 1 million figure represents about 0.001% of the population. We would be nowhere close to the industrial age, perhaps still thousands of generations from it. If we are as bright as we believe, shouldn't our progress be inevitable? What do we need Einstein's and Newton's and Da Vinci's for? If we are as smart as we think, why did the Western world fail to invent paper, printing, gunpowder, the contoured plow, umbrellas, wheelbarrows, and many more things that had to be borrowed from China? I hope you can see what I mean. This question also makes a fragile assumption. Why would natural selection select intelligence over anything else? This thinking comes from a misunderstanding of survival of the fittest. Fittest, or fitness, doesn't mean physical fitness, stamina, intelligence, strength, speed, or anything like that. Fitness simply refers to an organism's ability to survive and reproduce in its environment. Our intelligence helps us survive, but who is to say we are the best at surviving? Bacteria, plants, tardigrades, nematodes, ants, algae, viruses... I would consider every one of those things to be doing significantly better at the game of evolution than we are, 
and they got there despite having somewhere between zero and almost zero intelligence. Evolutionarily speaking, there are countless different ways to survive and be wildly successful. If you want proof of that, just go outside and look around. You will see multitudes of living organisms all doing this thing we call life in a unique way. Evolution can't prove where life came from. Brain surgery doesn't help you know when to harvest your fall crop. Is this a valid criticism of brain surgery? No. Evolution's inability to explain the origin of life is not a valid criticism either. That's not what the theory of evolution is even for. The concept of abiogenesis is outside the realm of evolution. It's an entirely different process that operates under different natural laws. Evolution is the process of living organisms reproducing and changing over time. Life has to exist before evolution begins to occur. Science has yet to create life from non-life. I'm not convinced this is something somebody would say in good faith, because even if scientists did create life from scratch, they would still call it intelligent design. They would say, see, that proves you need a designer and a mind. So you want to ask them what kind of evidence they would accept to see if they are open-minded, or if their conclusion is already determined, no matter the facts. If they say they don't know what kind of evidence they would accept, that's fine. But if they say it's impossible, then you know you're talking to someone immune to evidence concerning this problem. I think one of the reasons someone makes this claim is because of selection bias. We only know that there's one planet with life on it. But that doesn't mean this is the only planet with life on it. Maybe life is common on planets similar to ours, which themselves are common. Intelligent life that asks these sorts of questions about itself and can do science and hypothetically create life from scratch would necessarily be even less common. Therefore, we would have a universe full of life, but ignorant about the abundance of life. Humans were unaware of most life on this planet until Anton von Leeuwenhoek scraped off the plaque on his teeth and peered under a microscope. Life could be everywhere without us or it having any understanding of its existence. And if life is abundant, even if it is almost exclusively microbial and unintelligent, then life on Earth wouldn't be miraculous. The sooner we can get to the moons of Jupiter and find life, the sooner we can understand that the mere existence of life isn't miraculous. If life is, instead, absurdly improbable and took hundreds of millions of years to appear on Earth, despite Earth being perfect, then why should we expect that humans, who figured out what DNA was only 70 years ago, would be able to create it at this point. Controlling the weather or cracking fusion power would be less complicated, and I shouldn't need to tell you that we aren't there yet. In principle, could we do this? Sure, but just because we haven't yet is not a good argument. Several people have pointed out to me that although we know what life is made of and what chemical reactions happen inside living things, we still can't make life. To them, that means it must require a creator. I like to point out that we cannot create solar systems either, but we know what makes planets go around the sun. Gravity. No miracle is required to explain any aspect of our solar system. It's the same story with life. No, we don't know how to create life from scratch. But the fact that life operates through physical chemistry supports the proposition that it arose naturally on our planet. This argument reminds me of debates I have with people about miracles. 
I tell them miracles aren't possible, and a typical response is to bring up some natural phenomenon that we understand today but didn't in the past. Well, that's not a miracle, and it never was. Not being able to recreate life from scratch doesn't mean it must therefore have been created miraculously. Everything we know about life can be boiled down to physical chemistry. Chemistry is not life, but life is chemistry. If we take a unicellular bacterium and count every single chemical reaction that takes place in one second, would that be what life is? In a way, yes. In a way, no. If one or two or even a thousand, I'm assuming several million reactions happen per second, of those reactions didn't occur, would the bacterium cease to live? I really doubt it. Figuring out which of those reactions is the minimum amount required to produce life and how to make them work together seems like a Herculean task, but I do not think it is any sort of miracle. If it was a miracle, well then we wouldn't be able to describe the process using natural law, because miracles are outside of natural law. So that's what I got so far. Uh, reading that, some parts of it seemed kind of clunky. I mean, I'm really not a writer, but you know, it's a work in progress. Thanks for listening. 